Your name is great. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, <clears throat> the name of Jesus or the name of God, it's like the kids can go. Can the kids go? Yeah, sorry. All right, kids. Sorry, I forgot you guys were here. It's not like I heard you or anything. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, the name of God. See, the Bible says that we are saved in the name of Jesus. And the Bible says that when Jesus taught us how to pray, he said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Which hallowed just means, or it means how revered and honored and what authority your name has. But see, if you don't understand the honor of someone's name, or, you know, the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says that we cast out demons in your name. It's the authority behind the name. See, the sons of Sceva, if you don't know who the sons of Sceva are, in the Old Testament, oh, sorry, in the book of Acts, I should say, they were trying to cast out demons, and they were saying, in the name of Jesus, the one that Paul preaches, and the demons in the people turned on them, bashed them, ripped their clothes off, and they ran down the street naked. See, you can't just use the name because of the name. But when you have honor on the name, and when you have the authority behind the name, then we can cast out devils in the name of Jesus. Amen? It's the honor and the reverence of his name. When you say, what is God's name? Well, God has many names. And every name of God has a facet behind it. It is a meaning behind it. There's um, Elohim, we spoke to about last week. Elohim, speaking of plural, not singular. We know that we believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But Elohim is referring to more than one, the Creator God. And we can go through the whole list of El Shaddai. Um, there's so many names that God has. We should do that one day, yeah, and what every meaning of that name is. But every name of God, and when we worship Him, we worship him knowing that Jesus, we call upon Jesus, he's our savior, yeah? We call upon Jesus, he's our Lord. The facets of Jesus is he's not only just savior, he's Lord. Are you with me? He saved us and he owns us. Because his name is above every name. Amen? But his word is powerful. We can switch that off now. We'll get started. No formalities here, we're all family. So today's message is the life of God. So I just want to do just a little bit of a recap from last week when we talked about Adam and Jesus being the light of the world and we spoke about Adam being formed out of the dust of the earth. And God was on my case all week. The Holy Spirit was on my case, so I couldn't move on. But I want to share something with you tonight. Adam was made in God's image and God's likeness. Now, what does that really mean? An image is an icon. That can be an icon, an image. Take a photo, put it on. That's the image of what you just took. But likeness is well, it's something that it's like or a familiar, a familiar trait or a familiar look or a familiar saying that reminds you. I mean, whoever has kids here, you can see traits of you or traits of your wife or traits of your parents in your kids. Do you not? There's traits of my kids and I usually... What you hate about your kids, or you don't hate your kids, but what you hate about what your kids do and say is usually what you hate about yourself because they remind you of you. There's things about their personalities or what they do or their stubbornness or their rebellion. It reminds us a lot about ourselves, and we hate that. And kids can do things that remind you of yourself, good and bad. You know, there's times where you know, my kids, when they were young, they see an old man walking down the street. They'll tell Janet, pull over, pick him up. That's my wife. That's the mercy gift that she has on her life. Have compassion. They don't know who he is. He could be an axe murderer, but they still want to pick him up, you know. And then there's parts of me I see in my kids where my boy's here, you know, I'm an exalter. I mean, let's go to Romans. I want to share you something quickly. It's not really my message, but I want to share this quickly with you. Romans chapter 12. Verse 
and verse 4. I just want to encourage you today. Today's going to be a message of encouragement. Amen. And it says here, for we have many members in one body, but all the members do have the same function, do not have the same function. So we are being many of uh, we are many, uh, one body in Christ and individual members of one another. Having the gift of differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us then do this. Now I'm gonna stop here. Paul is talking about the body of Christ, and everybody is different. Now, these traits that I'm about to read aren't traits of behavior, behavior gifts. These are what God's placed in you by faith the day you were born and the day you got born again, they got activated. Are you with me? Now, I can learn, I could have a, a, a trait about me that's, you get some people that are attention to detail, yeah? They have dot the I's, cross the T's, have to be in order. You can't just say, let's go somewhere. No, they had to have planned it and put it together. Oh, I'm a gobba guy. Let's go. Pack the car. Let's go to Queensland. Where my wife is, no, no, we're going to plan this. What's going on? You know. So everyone's different. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about the gift of God, the redemption gift placed in your life. Okay, I'm not going to talk too much about this, but I want to show you something here. Placed in your life, it's like your spiritual DNA. See, I've always been a storyteller from as a kid. I've always been loud and I always told ter terrible jokes. So nothing's changed, all right? So I still tell stories. But in my old life, before Christ, before the cross, I was telling jokes and stories and jokes that are not appropriate anymore. But now I got born again. My gift has been redeemed. So I have, I've changed from the inside out. But now where my stories were all about entertaining and putting down and making bad jokes or whatever. Now my stories are about who Jesus is. I'm still a storyteller. I used to gather people all around me all the time. I had young blokes around me all the time. And I used to mentor guys all the time, whether it's work, whether I played footy or coach footy. That was all part of my life. And now God redeems it. And now I'm Mentoring guys in the gospel. I'm telling Jesus stories about Jesus in the gospel. God's redeemed the gift that he placed in me in birth. Amen. And it's a sad thing when people get into church and they want to rewire the person totally different. And it's not right because God's placed that in you. It just needs to be redeemed. Are you with me? You have someone with a mercy gift. My wife's got a high mercy gift, has a compassion gift, where even if someone's mucked up, she can see compassion. She wants to bestow compassion on them. Because they're all the natures of God. On Romans, it talks about it here. It says, if you prophesy, prophesy well. It says, um, he's given you grace that he's given to us. Let us use them. If you prophesy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Next one. He who ministers or serves, let us use it in our ministry. He who teaches in a teacher, teaching. It means if you prophesy, if you're a type of guy. He's not talking about a prophet. Talking about a guy like Rabs, Rabs, who, who I believe his office is a prophet, but there's many people here that can prophesy. In other words, bring a word to the church, to one another through the prophetic word of God. That's a gift placed in your life. You've got um, the, the ministry gift, then you've got the teaching gift. Now, here you've got he who exalts in exaltation. That's me. I've always been an exalter. If you get around me enough, I'll pump you up and I'll get you going. But that was in the world, that was, that was still me. You can do anything, let's do it, let's fight, let's do this. But then when I got redeemed, then I was like, hang on, that was the world's way now. The only way we can fight now is through the blood of Jesus. And we exalt you, lift you up, carry you. And there's times we need to be exalted, get around me. But there's times you need to be taught. There's times where you need a prophetic word from God straight. Tell you what. There's times where you need someone to minister to your needs. You get, are you with me, Stifer? He who gives, gives with liberty, or he's a giver. He who leads or rules with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. There's different gifts in the body of Christ, amen? But these are individual gifts in your life. Because not one, no one person will walk like Jesus. We have the fullness of God in us through the Holy Spirit, but none of us will walk like Jesus. But God wants to form, the Holy Spirit wants to form Christ in us, the life of God in us. Are you with me? So there's traits about us. So when we talk about image and likeness, oh, you look like your dad. 
but you act like your mum. Or you look like your mum, but you act like... There's image and there's likeness. But the Holy Spirit's come to bring the image of God and the likeness of God back to us. When Jesus went to the cross, he went to the cross and took the image of God and the likeness of God and exchanged it for the image of Adam and the image of, image of you and me and the likeness. And he killed it on the cross. So the cross is the great exchange. Amen? Are you with me? So let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. I want you to see this today. I want you to understand that salvation was what Jesus did on the cross to get us to heaven, to adopt us into his family. We were all illegitimate. Whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, Jesus puts us back in the family. Amen? On Wednesday, I'll talk a little bit about our sonship and the covenant God made with Adam. Adam lost and he made that covenant with Jesus and we got it back. So we're in the part of the family, but part of salvation is zozo. The Greek word for salvation is zozo, body, soul, and spirit. Too many Christians are saved from hell, and that's as far as they've got. Their life on earth is hell, but they're not going to hell. But you might as well go to hell because if you have missed the opportunity to live a life of God or the God kind of life on this earth, you have to allow the Holy Spirit to form that in you. Like I said in the first in the beginning, is Adam was formed out of the dust of the earth. Let's read Ephesians first, 4.17. I say, therefore, I think Rab shared this, it was the last scripture on Wednesday. I say this, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to the work of all uncleanness with greediness. greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Stop there for a second. You have known him, you've been taught by him, and indeed you Know him that truth is in Christ. Amen. We have to be taught by him. And I think to myself, okay, how am I get how do I get taught with by Jesus? How do I, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father? So how does Jesus teach us? Who said Holy Spirit? Amen. We're going to read why. So the Holy Spirit doesn't speak of himself. And I'm afraid I've been doing this for 20 years. I have people who come into the into the body of Christ, born again, have a radical conversion, and then they start telling me about certain dreams and visions and supernatural events that happen in their life. And, and then they turn around and they say, I said, but that's not the Holy Spirit because that doesn't line up with Jesus. See, the Holy Spirit doesn't go outside the Word of God. Oh, but I've been reading the book outside the Bible. That's okay, what was the book? Oh, it's these scriptures, they're hidden scriptures. And not everyone knows. Habibi, read what's in the Bible first before we start going outside. I'm not putting down that there's texts and there's, there's, there's Jewish books that we don't read that, that the Jews that have a lot of weight pointing to Christ. But God's given us a word here, the Bible, for a reason. We don't have even read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John before we start reading the seven books of Enoch and these lost books of Thomas and all this sort of stuff. And what happens is you get seduced in this airy fairy world and you end up going outside the will of God and you get deceived, just like Saul did that king that we spoke about a couple of Wednesdays ago, anointed by God, the first king of history of Israel, the first king of the chosen. And guess what? He ended up in witchcraft and died. That's a sad place to be. And don't claim that I'm a Christian, I'm anointed, I can't get deceived. I love this statement I heard and I've been saying it for 20 years. Tony, I'm reading the Bible. I've said it too, so I'm not picking on anyone. Tony, I'm reading the Bible. I've got the word in me. I've got the Holy Spirit in me. I cast out devils. I'll never be deceived. You already are. The minute you say, I'll never be deceived, you already are because you can be deceived. Jesus says, beware, beware. We can be deceived. But the Holy Spirit, here we're getting taught by Jesus. The Holy Spirit will bring the teachings of Jesus, Jesus himself, the nature of God, and place it on the inside of us. Next verse. That you put off concerning the former conduct, the old man, the old nature, 
which grows corrupt according to the deceitful of the lust, yeah? But be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you might put on the new man, which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. There's an old man and there's a new man. Who knows the old man? I know it well. <laughs> and he, he raises his ugly head every day. And every day he wants to take premise over my life. And every day he wants to live the way he... That's why he says, crucify your flesh daily. Your flesh, your old man will never be redeemed. The Bible says, mortify it, which means put it to death. And live in the new man, which is the, new, the born against state that you're in. The nature of God on the inside of you. The life of God is on the inside of you. Say it this way. The new nature God's placed on the inside of you. The nature of Christ that he had on this earth. Jesus walked on the earth. He was tempted in every way, contrary to what people believe. He was tempted in every way. He had to learn all wisdom and honor before man and God until there was such a time when he was anointed by the Holy Spirit and became the anointed one. Christ means the anointed one. Then he fulfilled the law, died on the cross, rose again to give us his life. Now we have the life of God on the inside of us. Now it depends on what you're feeding. Are you feeding the inner man or are you feeding the old man? Because you're feeding something. What spirit is leading you? Is it the Holy Spirit or the spirit of the world? And we'll talk about this. We are taught by Jesus. People often say to me, and I've heard this many times, is that I only wish I walked with Jesus. I've said this before. I only wish I was there and I saw the miracles. I saw Jesus. I said, but you're reading scriptures written by a man who never walked with him. You're reading scriptures. Most of the New Testament is written by Paul who never got the gospel from Jesus, from the disciples walking with him. He got it from the Spirit of God through Jesus himself, and he was a man that was killing the church. And he's rebuking Peter who walked with Jesus. Jesus knows a little bit more better than us. If Jesus is on this earth now, he's in Jerusalem now, we all have to now get a ticket, go to Jerusalem, wait Six years to see him because there's a lineup. Because he said, that's better that I go. I'll send you the Holy Spirit. The parakletos in Greek. Tammy's not here to confirm that word. Not that she, can, she hasn't confirmed one Greek word yet. But anyway, we won't go. But we won't pick on her. <laughs> the parakletos, parallel. That's where we get the word parallel from. The Greek word parakletos. I'll send you one just like me, Jesus says. But in the Greek it says parakletos. The one that is parallel with me. In other words, the spirit... Of the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Are you with me? Are you getting this? So God's given us all the armor we need. It's only up to us to whether we're going to walk this out. People want to walk in the Spirit. What they want to do is walk in, come out devil in Jesus' name. Pray for things, bind things, loose things, get a job, make some money, help the poor. That's awesome. But walking in the Spirit is walking in the nature of God that he gave you after the cross. See, we've got no excuse as believers that, well, I only sin today because that's just a habit I do. No, no, you're not walking in your true nature. To you belong, you'll never become. To you belong, you know that you belong in the Father's house and you, through the blood of Jesus, you'll never become who you're meant to be. You'll walk around the mountain for 40 years like the Israelites. There was a people like this, the Galatian church. Let's go to Galatians chapter 4. Who's read Galatians? I encourage you to read Galatians. Even the young people read it. It's not that hard to read. It's a short book, but it explains things. And I'll, if you want, write, read it. If you don't understand something, write it down. I'll chat about it whenever we get a chance. But Galatians talks about a whole bunch of people who were Jewish people in Galatia under the law, and then they've received the Holy Spirit and everything, and then all of a sudden they, people started to sneak in and say, but you need to be circumcised. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Jesus is the Lord, but you need to be circumcised. But you... You can't eat, still can't eat ham and you still got to keep the Sabbath. And they brought all the laws back. And Paul says, hang on a second. Can I ask you one question? How did you receive the Spirit of God? Was it by faith or was it by keeping the law? Oh, he goes, you foolish Galatians, he says to him. Who has bewitched you? In other words, who has put a spell on you? Who has blinded your minds? You know, we read here the blinding of your mind and darken your thinking. That you have started in the spirit, and now you think you can justify it by your flesh? He says, don't you want to be free, or you want to go back to bondage? Isn't it sad that people want to go back to bondage? They pray once, didn't work, so, you know, it didn't work, I want to go back. 
or, you know, I've been praying, I've been coming for six months, I've been coming for five years, nothing seems to be changing. And they point the finger at God, so they're willing to go back to bondage, just like the, the Israelites. They left Egypt. Moses, he took us out here to die. List we had food in Egypt. Rather right, go back to bondage. People want to go back to bondage. But in Galatians chapter four, he's talking to them, and Paul's writing a letter to them, and then he he's in a sense rebuking them as a father in the faith. He started this church in Galatia, and he says, just to keep it short, he says, in verse eighteen, he says, "But it's good that you are zealous in good things always." And not only when I am in your presence with you. In other words, they were doing all the right things when Paul was in town. Let me say it this way. We do all the right things in church, but once we walk out the door, we've forgotten who we are. Paul's writing a letter here saying, he's writing, he goes, I want to, don't want to write to you harshly, but better I write to you than I see you face to face. Paul was a tough man. History tells us Paul used to come into town and pastors run for their life because they were teaching error or talking about him. They were scared of him because he walked in authority. You don't mess with the word of God or the anointed man of God. But Paul loved these people like a father loves the children. I'm going to show you this. So it's good to be zealous, but not just when I'm with you. Don't, don't be hungry for the things of God because I'm with you. Do it when I'm not with you. Next verse. My little children, now he's talking to them like a father, for whom I have labored in birth, uh, in, labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Hear what he's saying here? I'm praying for you. I'm fasting for you. I'm teaching you. I'll give my life for you. Just so Christ can be formed in you. He wasn't saying so you can serve me or give me money for my ministry. He wasn't saying. He was saying, I want Christ to be formed in you. God created Adam from the dust of the earth and he formed him. So, you know, when you think about form, forming something up, for those who are in the building game, know this. Because this... This floor here, actually, is a slab. It's a concrete slab. So what they would have to do is, because there's another room downstairs, yeah? They would have to put scaffolding and props and boards, and they would have to form up the slab according to exactly the dimensions they needed. The timber, the edge boards here, the plywood here, the, they had to put structure to hold the concrete. Why? Whatever gets poured into it, well, that's what it's going to look like. Are you with me? If they go one meter that way, then this room is not square. If they go one meter that way, you're going to have a, like a, a triangle or a, a, you know, a pentagon or it's going to be crooked. But the way they form it up is it has to be the image exactly what it's going to look like. Then when they pour the concrete and it dries, then you've got exactly, you've got, the, you've got the image and the likeness of the concrete and the floor you're going to live on or walk on. True? When God created Adam in the dust of the earth, he formed him exactly like God, nose to eyes, eyes to eyes. I, I see this picture that God just laid on the dirt and formed his body, his shape, everything in the dust. And then he breathed and Adam came a living soul. But here he says, I want Christ formed in you. Next verse. I would like to be present with you and now to change my tone. So otherwise he told them off. For I have doubts about you. We'll leave it there. I've got, I've got doubts about you. I don't know where you're going to end up. I'm going to keep praying for you that Christ is formed in you. Can I say this? The forming up, coming to church, reading your Bible, fasting, all that, that's part of the forming up, yeah? But the result has to be the Holy Spirit forming Christ in you. See, we can look good on the outside. We can look good when we come to talk to someone. We know the scripture. I met a guy once, he's going through a hard time, and I would say things like, they said, can you pray for him? He said, yeah, I'd love to pray for him. Came and had a chat with him first. He was having a struggle and he said, I said you know what? No matter what you've been through, God, God can turn this for, you know? He goes, yeah. And he'd quote the scripture. I'll do all things. God can turn all things for good. He'd quote the scripture and the verse. And I said, you know what? God loves you. Yeah. God so loved the world. Again. Everything I said, he knew the scripture for. Everything. Like I couldn't have a conversation with the guy. I said, yeah, well, I've got to go there. Yeah. All things are good. The God can see all. Relax, mate. Okay. You know this Bible better than me. The problem you do is you know it in here, but it hasn't gone into here yet. You know the Bible back to front. I couldn't believe everything I said. He quoted the scripture and the verse. This guy's got a photo. photo uh, that's the one. The brain that's got photograph in it. Photographic mind. But there's no point in knowing it on the outside, walking out, looking good, smelling good, 
and then inside you're full of dead man's bones. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you're whitewashed tombs. You know what that means, whitewashed tombs? It means in the Jew, but you're inside, you're full of dead man's bones. Whitewashed tomb means that the Jews used to whitewash, paint their, basically paint their tombs white, but it was for them when they die and they put dead man's bones. Because you look good on the outside, but inside you're full of dead man's bones. Jesus said to the Pharisees, he said, you're like your father, the devil. The likeness of the Pharisees, the religious person was like the devil of your father. That's a pretty harsh statement for guys who had the keys to the kingdom. They had the word of God. And Christ in us wants to form Christ in us by the Holy Spirit. So now we have a nature. See, God can't teach you these principles while you have a dead nature. In other words, when God gave the Ten Commandments to the, and the, all the law, but let's stick with the Ten Commandments, to a spiritually dead people, God gave them a law they could not keep. Why? Why would God give, give them something that they can never keep, which could kill them? The Bible says the law brings a curse. Because he was trying to show them who he really was. This is my standard. This is your standard. You've been in Egypt for 430 years. You've picked up all the traits of Egypt. Yes, you promised, you believed that God would deliver you. Yes, you promised and prophesied all the words spoken that Joseph's bones will be buried not here, out of, in the promised land. Yes, you know the word of God, the promises of God. But guess what? You're full of dead man's bones. You are like Egypt. You are like, can I say it this way? You are like the world. And Jesus is saying here to them, he's saying that, you know, if, 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 if we're like the world and the spirit of the world, we can't walk in the spirit of Christ. So the Ten Commandments were given to them externally. And they said, okay, we can't keep this. He says, all right, now kill a lamb every time you sin, and the lamb would pay the penalty for your sin. So the law was given as a signpost to who? Jesus. Jesus comes and fulfills the law and says, okay, now, I want to put these laws in your heart. But while you're spiritually dead, I can't do that. So Jesus becomes man, takes on the flesh man, Adam, from the earth, kills him and gives us his nature now. Now I've placed something on the inside of you. Now I can teach that nature. I can pour my spirit into that nature because the blood of Jesus paid for it. Now I can speak to you from heavenly perspective, not worldly perspective. Are you with me? And now I can form Christ in you. The Holy Spirit forms Christ in you. The things that you struggle with, it's a sad place to be that you get born again 10 years later, you're still struggling from the same thing you struggled with when you first got saved. That's not Christ. That's, not, that's the old man. But Christ wants to form him in you. You'll never be Christ, but you will fulfill the mandate God's got on your life. Why? Because the nature of God's already on the inside of you. So walk in the new nature. We'll talk about that in Romans. Get a John chapter 16, because I just spoke about 14. The, uh, yeah. How quick is she? Awesome. Look at this. However, when he, who's he? The Holy Spirit. The Spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but he, whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will Tell you things to come. Next verse. He will glorify me. Stop right there. If any spirit, any angel, any person that comes to bring glory to themselves in the supernatural or in the natural is not of God. The Holy Spirit is not come to, you're not here to glory in the Holy Spirit. You're here, the Holy Spirit is to glorify who? He will glorify me. Who's the me? Jesus. There is no one you worship but the Father and the Son. And the Holy Spirit brings worship to the Father. If the Holy Spirit is not involved, and even in worship, even when I preach, even that, it's coming out of the soul and it's not of God and doesn't, doesn't even reach heaven. But when He speaks through me, when He speaks through you, when He speaks through the, sings through the worship, guess what? Jesus is glorified. For he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Next verse. All things that the Father has, has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Isn't that a good thing? Or am I the only one excited? Isn't that a good thing? 
that whatever you receive from the Holy Spirit is coming from the authority of the Father and the Son. In other words, let me, hear it, let me say it to you this way. Whatever God's giving you and you reject, you reject the Father and the Son. But whatever you receive from Him, the Holy Spirit, then you're re receiving what the Father and the Son have for you. Paul goes on to say in Galatians, before the one we just read, he says, I want to understand something. You're going to serve this moon's festival. You go to that festival. You go trying to keep that ceremony and that ceremony. In other words, they're going back to the old traditions because they thought, but hang on. Once you go back and do all those things, guess what you're doing? You're not free. You still think you have to have one foot in this and one foot in this. Jesus says, but you're either mine or you're not. You either let the Holy Spirit change you or you're not. Getting goosebumps and having a prayer and falling, and that's all biblical. But it's not going to change your life when you let the Holy Spirit change your life. When you sit with him one-on-one, -on -one, sit with him together, guess what he'll do? He'll, I'm telling you now, I've seen people in the fire for the Lord. Amazing stuff. And when God touches some nerve in their own body, in their heart, you never see him again. I want to deal with that pain. I don't want to deal with that part of my life. I'm just happy doing what I'm doing. Yeah, that's awesome. 30-fold. And they run off. And they never deal with the problem. They're killing, I often say this, they're trying to clean spider webs, but never killing the spider. Holy Spirit doesn't clean spider webs. Holy Spirit kills things and brings things to life. See, life comes from life. True? That's why he says, what do you look after dead idols? You speak to dead idols, they're dead. But life comes from life. The spirit of life is in Christ Jesus. He's in Christ Jesus. We're in Christ Jesus. We have life. But we walk like people with blind blinkers on. We don't see. It's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me. Yeah, it is about you. But when it's all focused on me, 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 we're not focused on him, him, him. I learned one thing. If I've got a problem, I go to him. Because in him, there's no problems. If I've got fear and Jesus walked in the door, I'd have no more fear. I'd be going, come on, man, let's go. I'm hiding behind Jesus. Remember when you were a kid, you go get your older brother or your cousin or your mates, come here. If I'm going to get a fire, I'm going to take my brother over here. You come, you stand in front of me. You're bigger than me. I'll have no fear. When a little kid sees his dad, no fear. Well, I'm with Christ. No matter what I'm going through, I'm going to stand with him. I'm going to go into his presence. I'll go, Father, thank you. Holy Spirit, you know, the Holy Spirit will bring and touch you in the areas that you never dreamed of. In the everyday of life. You'd be walking down the street and the Holy Spirit put something in your spirit. But when you get it, what do you do with it? We read earlier, it's the transformation of your mind. The spirit of your mind too. People have a punch on about tongues and we should be praying. Pray in tongues as much as you can, please tell me. Because it has nothing to do with you. It has to do with the Holy Spirit in you. The Holy Spirit comes in like an x-ray. He does an analysis on you. And he knows every, every nook and cranny in your life. So he goes, you know what? They want to pray for a new car and a job. Because you know what? I want to pray for hatred. So let's get hatred out of his heart. Or I want to pray for offense. So the Holy Spirit's praying for you. are praying in tongues thinking you're, you're praying to bring down principalities and powers. And you're praying to save the world. And, the Holy, and you've got no idea because you know what? We're selfish. But the Holy Spirit knows, no, 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 Tony, I've got to deal with Tony's greed and Tony's anger and Tony's, you know, uh, disobedience. The Holy Spirit knows what we want. And that's how he forms Christ in us. Before you know it, you're a shadow of your old self. I look at myself and say, wow, that's not who I was or who I I know it when people see me preach here that haven't seen me in 20 years. Says, that can't be you. We know you. That can't be you. Said, it's not me. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. Amen. I don't want to be me anymore. I want to be in Christ. For life is in Christ, Jesus. Do I give you Romans? I didn't give you Romans, did I? Oh, I did. There you go. This is my, one of my favorite verses. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. I've shared this before, eh? About gravity and aerodynamics. Have I shared that here before? My wife and son, yeah, we've heard it a thousand times. Because if they went like that, I'm going to share it. Next verse. Next, straight after that, sorry. Verse 3. For what the law could not do, 
in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. There's a law that, there's a law, everyone says, oh, it's just human nature. He did that. It's just human nature. What they're saying in, in a sense is that's the old nature to us. That's the sinful nature. That's the Adam nature. Yeah? When they say it's human nature. I heard a story once where a lady was um, struggling and um, she bumped into one of the ministers of her church. She only just started going recently and they bumped into him somewhere and she said, look, you know, I'm really struggling and I've got two, three kids and my husband walked out on me and all these things. So she says, you know, is it rude for me to go and tell the pastor it wasn't in the church sitting, it was outside the church. He says, is it rude for me to go and tell him my, my situation and, and ask him for help? He says, well, you can only ask. So she went up, hi, I'm so so yeah, graciously spoke to her. He says, look, this is my story. And I told her the story and the pastor looked at her and looked at his wife. He says, you know what, we're going to help you out from our own personal um, situation. He wrote a check for $5,000 to her and gave it to her. She was just shocked. The lady thanked him so much. And she walked around, she turned to her friend, and they heard her say this. Wow, if I knew it was that easy, I would have asked for 10000 Isn't that sad human nature? Instead of rejoicing in a stranger to give her money to help her out, she said, oh, if it was that easy to get five, I should have asked for ten. That's human nature. That's the old nature. That's not, wow, God answered my prayers. It's, I should have asked for more. See, that's human nature. Nothing's ever going to satisfy the flesh. If I give you 100,000 or 200,000, you should have made 300,000. I know people that used to gamble. They went, they went oh, I got to the, they ran to the bookie at the races and the odds changed. And I'm not going to explain the odds because I don't want anyone to start gambling, but the odds changed. And he put money and he came and he goes, I want to, how much did you win? It was 50,000. I go, 50,000. He goes, I'm spewing. He goes, why? He goes, if I got here five minutes earlier, I would have won 60,000. I'm thinking, you won 50,000. But See, nothing's ever enough. You'll never satisfy the flesh. There's no end to keeping the law. There's no end to satisfying your flesh because your flesh will never be satisfied. But in the spirit, I'm satisfied that Jesus just shows up. I'm satisfied that I'm forgiven. I'm satisfied that the Lord is my provider. But it doesn't keep us there. Because now I've got this in front of you. But if you're willing to participate with me and, and, let, and walk in the life of God with me, I'll take you to places you've never dreamed. I'll, I'll, I'll be your anchor in the darkest times. Oh, when the winds come, I'll, I'll protect you. All these things. You know, we do go through hard troubles as believers. Come on. Just read the history of the church. I said, but that's not our problem. Our problem is what we're doing now on this earth. What God's called us to do now. God wants to form Christ in us. I love that scripture in Romans. I want to finish with this. You know, this carpet was woven together by computer. These days, carpet is put in a, in, a, in a factory. They've got machines and they weave, whether it's wool, whether it's polyester, whether it's synthetic, I don't know. But every pattern looks amazing. Why? A computer does it. A machine does it. But if you go get a rug or a carpet made by hand, it's worth triple the price. Why? Why is something that's made by hands more valued than something that's made by a machine? It's unique, one of a kind. It's authentic. True? We in the old days when I grew up, everything was handcrafted. The table, the chair is handcrafted. Now, fantastic plastic, like I say. Fantastic plastic, you know. You buy or you buy flat packs, you put a couple of screws together. Oh, look at this, but you see it on the breaks, you know. But the old stuff, you know, they used to carve all this. This is all done by this is all done by machinery. It's all done by machinery. But in the old days, it was done by hand. Carpet was done by hand. Rugs, Persian rugs and all these old Middle Eastern rugs, they're worth a lot of money. Why? It's woven by hand. Why are they more expensive? Why are they more valuable? See, the devil wants to manufacture a human. He wants to possess a human. Facebook wants to manufacture humans. Or what's, what it's going to be like if you look like this, you're, you made it. Or if you, if you spend this kind of money, you made it. But God says, but I'm nitty. the Bible says he knitted you in your mother's womb. Oh, Shandai, you're the mosquito. 
He knitted us in the mother's womb. In other words, God is handcrafting you. The Holy Spirit is the hand of God on this earth. He's handcrafting us. You know, if you get a rug and you get a carpet made out of, in a factory, this has got perfect lines, but a rug that's made by hands has got a lot of imperfections in it, and it's worth more. You think, hang on a second, this is perfect. You can do the same pattern. He goes, but this is handcrafted. It's authentic. Why is it authentic? Because there's mistakes in it. Mate, there's a lot of mistakes in us. God doesn't make a mistake, but he takes our mistakes and he wants to reside in that. We are more valuable than what the enemy or the world can do for you. It's a beautiful picture knowing that the value of a knitted, handcrafted rug is more valuable than one that you can pump out quicker, cheaper, and looks better. But God's not looking for looks. See, we want to look like him. We want to have God's likeness. We want to have God's character. We want to have God's image. It's in the life of God in Christ Jesus. And the Holy Spirit will form Christ in you. He ain't going to give you a demon spirit. He ain't going to give you a false spirit. He ain't going to give you a word that's not going to come to pass. But you know what? Sometimes we have to water that word in us. We have to plow the fields around us. We have to believe by faith in us. Why? Otherwise, it's going to die in the ground. But Christ in us is the hope of glory. He's such a good God. He's such a wonderful God. He's an amazing God. Don't ever kick against God. When God's doing something in your heart, don't kick against him saying, I don't need this right now. That's the worst thing you can do. Why? You'll go around the mountain. God will always get his way. Did the Israelites get in the promised land? Did they get in the promised land? They got in there. The, the word came, the prophetic word came, took 430 years plus another 40, but they got in. But guess what? That generation that got out of slavery died as slaves. Isn't it sad that they got out, they saw the miracles, they saw the cloud in the, uh, the, cloud in the day and the fire at night, they saw the quails fall out, they saw the manna fall down, they saw the rock produce water. They saw the snakes bite them and then get healed. They saw all that. And that generation did not get into the promised land because of their unbelief. But the next generation did. I want to be that next generation. I don't want to be looking for the promised land. I live out of the promised land. Amen? You know, it was funny that Jesus said that it's better that I go and, and we've taught on that. And you think, why is it better that I go? You know, if you don't have your personal relationship with the Lord and, and you don't have that quality time with the Holy Spirit and not be taught by Him, the minute something comes in, the minute someone around you with authority hurts you, lets you down or falls, are you derailed? Is your faith derailed because your pastor did something wrong? Or a worship leader that you like did something wrong. Or someone in your family did something wrong or fell away or rejected Christ because many have fallen away because their eyes were fixed on... on, on. See, Paul doesn't say, I labor for you in like birth pains, like a woman laboring over her children so you can be like me. He says, no, I want Christ to be formed in you. But I'm afraid that you're walking away from him and going after dead pieces, dead religion. And God says, come after me. I'm the author and the finisher of your faith. I'm the beginning and the end. Does that make sense? It's a simple message, but we seem to trip over it. You know, the, the law, the Ten Commandments, is really interesting. God gave two tablets. Ten Commandments, yeah? Moses was the first God to break all the Ten Commandments at once. He got upset and broke them all at once. Joke there. So the Ten Commandments was written. And we've got this Sunday school definition that God couldn't put Ten Commandments on one tablet. He had to divide them because, you know, it's going to be heavy. So he divided the two. Five on here and five on here, yeah? Well, it wasn't five and five. There were two commandments, but ten of them. There were two laws split between 10, but there was four on here and six on here. I want to show you something. I don't know if you can find it for me. Who's quick to find it? When Jesus said, come on, scholars, 
when Jesus said, the first one, he gets a prize. Jesus says, I'll leave you this law. It's not a new law. It's actually an old law. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> How do I know? No, I'm joking. Does anyone know what that is? Jesus was saying, I'll leave you this law. If you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, you have fulfilled the whole law. True? He said, I'll give you a new law, which is not really a new law at all. True? So we got two tablets. Moses came out with two tablets. There wasn't five and five. It was one tablet was talking about God, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And the other tablet was referring to and love your neighbor as yourself. So let's do a bit of uh, teaching or school class. I'm not, I was the worst student, so I'm not going <laughs> to... I tormented my teachers. So what's the first commandment? Do we know? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. What's the second one? Love your neighbor? What's the third one? Ten commandments, come on. Let me find it. I'll find it quickly here. Exodus chapter 20. Yeah. Thou shalt not support manly. That's, that's one of them. All right, here we go. The Ten Commandments. I'm talking about ten. God gave, Jesus gave us two into two tablets. So we've divided them into five and five, yeah? And we won't mention names. People have changed them, but we won't go there to upset a few people. It says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of, out of the house of bondage. I am the Lord your God. The first joke is, there's no other God but God. Yeah? You can't worship any false gods. And this is Exodus chapter 20 in verse 1. The second one is, you shall have no other gods before me. True? You shall not make yourself any engraving images of heaven above, on earth below, beneath the sea. You should not bow down to them or worship them. For I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery. And Three. The fourth one is, um, you should, should keep the Sabbath. Yeah? Make that make the Sabbath day holy. There's four. So the first one is about God, yeah? I am the Lord your God. The second one is, no other gods before me. It's still about God. The third one is, don't make any images of any other gods because I'm your God. That's the third one. And the fourth one is, keep that Sabbath day holy because that's where you worship me. That's four. But look at the, the, the number four. Number five says this. Eh? Oh, yeah. Next one. Keep going, because it goes through the whole list. Keep going. <laughs> Extended version. Keep going. All right, here. So the, four, the first four is to honor God. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul, and all your strength. He says, and love your neighbor as yourself. He gave us two laws, but they were actually two, com two commandments, but they're actually two different laws. The first four has got to do with God. Now, the next one is this, honor your mother and father. That's got to do with your neighbor. True? That's on the second tablet. Next one. You shall not murder. Is that to do with your neighbor? Can't kill your fellow man. Next one. Don't commit adultery. Is that going to do with your neighbor? Next one. They shall not steal. Is that going to do with your neighbor? Next one. Should not make, is that going to do with your neighbor? It says neighbor. <laughs> Keep going. That's it. There's six there. So the Ten Commandments are divided into two tablets. Four has to do with God, and the other six has to do with your neighbor. And Jesus comes after he goes and rises from the dead. He goes, I'm going to leave you these commandments, these two commandments. They're not really new, but I'm going to leave them with you anyway. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Luke 10. Can we put it up there? I want to show you this. Let's not be, let's not be illiterate when it comes to the Bible. It's awesome revelation because I start to see, man, God did not change the law. He fulfilled it in every way. So, God did not change the law. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Think about this for a second. Think about this for a second. Jesus says, comes, dies, and rises again. Is it coming up? Is it slow? That's okay. 
Can you get the picture? So he answered him and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. The first four commandments in the 10 are got to do with God, and the next six got to do with your neighbor. And all Jesus was saying was, he was referring to the 10 commandments in those two there. He was dividing them into two tablets in a sense. How good is God that Moses got them in two tablets and they weren't split five and five because God couldn't put them on one. He split them because they're two different commandments together as 10, but they're two different commandments. And Jesus, he fulfills that right here. But how do you love your neighbor as yourself? See, the first thing is to love God. Listen to me. First thing is to love God to find out his love for you. And then when you understand the love of God for you, then I can love my neighbor. Because he says, love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't love yourself, you're going to love no one. I love when Jesus you know, speaks into your spirit. I'm forgiven. I'm set free by the blood. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. And then I read James, show me your faith without your works. I'll show you my works with my faith. Oh, hang on, we're saved by faith. It's not about works. We don't do works to get saved, do we? We're saved by grace, aren't we? The blood. But then James says, but oh, I've got faith, but I'll show you my works with my faith. In other words, say, hang on, man, it's confusing. Which one is it? Do I have to do good works to go to heaven? He says, no, if you're truly saved, you'll do the works of the Father. And I start thinking, how am I going to do the works of the Father? What do I do, preach, teach, give money to the poor? And one day I was talking this and I was confused because I, I heard people say to me that the book of James shouldn't be in the Bible because of that verse. That's crazy. But you know what God spoke to you one day? I'm thinking of works as in doing stuff for God. I'm thinking that I'm saved now. I've got the ability to preach. Preach. That's part of it. Give to the poor. That's part of it. Do whatever the God calls you. That's part of it. But you know the biggest thing he spoke in my heart? You can't walk around saying you have faith for you being forgiven and you never forgive. You cannot say that you love everyone because God loves you, but you hate everyone you see. I don't know what that means, but <laughs> you can't go around saying, Oh, I love God. He loves me so much and he's done so much for me. And when someone comes, you're that's the works of God to be like God. Yes, we do the works living a godly life, separating ourselves from sin. But guess what? There's too many miserable Christians that I've met that have faith. They know the blood. They know what Jesus has done for them. And the benefit does not outweigh what they do. Remember the lady that washed Jesus' feet with her tears and the perfume and rubbing? And she goes, what's she doing? Because it's against the law for a woman to touch a man, let alone a rabbi, let alone a woman who's a sinner. You know what Jesus says? He who has been forgiven much loves much. He who has been forgiven much, loves much. And too many people are going, I'm forgiven by the blood and I hate every person that doesn't agree with me or people that hurt me. And God's saying, okay, he hurt you, but are you willing to forgive him? Are you willing to, are you willing to preach to someone you don't like? Some of us can't be in the same room with a, with a believer that hurt us. And God's saying, but that's not the works of the kingdom. But some people need time. Some people need to know the love of God for their life. And that's where the Holy Spirit forms Christ in you. Some people go through a separation and it's heartbreaking. And you walk up and say, you must forgive. Punch you in the mouth because they've been through hell just now. I say to people, shut your mouth. Don't talk about it. Just let's bring healing first. Let's bring the gospel first. Let's see what the Jesus did. And then let the Holy Spirit form Christ in them so they can forgive. Because some people make a mistake unforgiveness for trauma. Some people have forgiven, but the trauma of what happened is still there. We need to heal the trauma. There's no point having faith and I'm forgiven and I'm godly and you won't forgive. And it's also not for us to judge them because we haven't been through that. We have to bring the healing power of the Holy Spirit there. And then when God spoke to my heart, when he said to me, yeah, you can do this and you can do that and you can travel to Brazil and you can go to America and do all that. But if you don't forgive, <laughs> the faith you have is derailed. Wow. And that's like a smack in the mouth. Let's stand before I turn this into a comedy show. Does that make sense? I'm not putting you on the spot. I want to encourage you because the vision of what we're doing in Rab tonight isn't to perform or to just give you nice words. We want to build families. We want to build people because Jesus said, I'll build my church. Jesus builds us for the world. 
There's a whole world dying out there. The vision is that we strengthen you, that our motive and our life isn't for anything other than to build you. We're sending money to Bangladesh. And I said to my brother, he goes, you know what? You want to send money to Bangladesh? He goes, if God puts it on your heart, do it, bro. He goes, and he wanted to talk to me about it. And I said to him, listen, let me ask you something. We're paying or we're sending money to bless a brother in a country. Forget the state of the country or that. Don't worry about that. But we're here willing to supply someone's needs to get a house and a building. And yet we don't even have a building. But if you look after my sheep, you look after my people, the Father will look after us. See, we've got the capacity. See how it's funny? They've got nothing to eat there, but yet we, the little we can send can bless a man in an area where he's going to get killed for the gospel. We just get upset because we couldn't come to a Sunday lunch and, and people talked about us. They can get shot for the gospel. They, they, they're going into a place of darkness. So what I'm trying to say is that it doesn't make us any better. It just means that we're willing to sow into another brother overseas to have a house to look after his family to preach the gospel and we don't have one yet but you know what the bible says i'll give you your needs according to your riches to his riches and glory sometimes god knows what we need true someone god sometimes god doesn't give you what you want all the time imagine now we go get a building now two to three four stories god's going to place something in our heart and then we have to pay it off and then we, all we're doing is trying to raise money we forget preaching the gospel but we can put God first in every way. We have the luxury to read. And, and you don't understand, guys, what's your, your part of this family? The, the amount of testimonies I hear online. I don't, I don't follow it. I don't have Facebook. I don't know. But they tell me. But then I'll go to a job site and the guy is looking at me funny all day. And I'm painting. He's looking at me funny all day. What's wrong with this bloke? Then he comes over and finally says, I watched you on TV last night. And I thought it was about the Jared thing. Had me place all over Channel 9 News. I go, yeah, I was about to explain myself. He goes, that was amazing teaching. I went, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank God for that. He didn't see the other one. But he was at the job site. He's looking at me like, okay, what's what Then I got a chance to speak to the guy. We're reaching people with the gospel. And you guys are a part of that. But it's a sad place to be sitting there every week, every Wednesday, every Sunday, and not move on, not grow. And I'm not condemning anyone for where you are. If you're stuck, Mate, we've all been there. If you're struggling, we've all been there. But I want you to understand, reading the Bible isn't just reading the Bible. Coming to church isn't going to come into church. Praying in the Spirit and fasting isn't just praying. It's letting God form himself in you. The structure that God's putting on the inside of us. Because you know why? I want to know. I've got older kids now. But when I first got saved, my son would have been three, two or three. John Daniel was just born. He's, he's going to be 20 this year. And my prayer was, Lord, teach me how to be a father. I'm telling you, I, I, I prayed for conquering the world. But in my inner man, I want God to teach me how to raise these kids. I know what's out there. The problem is we know too much what's out there. We could bluff our parents. But we can't be bluffed as much. They just thought, oh, no, no, we know what's out there. And yet I said, Lord, so in the midst of all that, God taught me how to pray. What to say? I didn't get it always right. Please don't ever think we got it right. But I can honestly say that God is merciful and gracious. And in the midst of our problems and our persecution and our troubles, even in the darkest times where I thought God had left me, He was with me. Because Christ was formed in me. Christ can't deny Himself, can He? Well, you remind Him of Him. You know the devil is not fighting God. Lucifer, Satan, the, the devil of old, is not fighting God. He's not fighting Jesus. He's fighting us. But Jesus, because he was fighting man, Jesus came as a man and conquered him as a man and gave us the victory that we could stand, withstand the walls of the devil. But only if Christ is in you. If only he's formed in you. Because he's not going away. We're in a fight. The rabbis is right. People think, oh, I don't want to get involved in the fight. You're in the fight. You've been in it. You just don't know it. You're in the world, you're in the fight. But how much when you come and the Holy Spirit touches you and you start seeing, we know the fight now. But the fight is won. Jesus has conquered the death, fell on the grave. Don't miss Wednesday. I'm going to get deep into that Wednesday. But I'll close with this. It's so valuable to God. 
I can't underestimate how valuable you are to God. Ah, God's forgotten me. No, no, no. You're, you, you, you're, you're more than valuable to God. No, no, you don't understand, Tony, what I've done. Trust me. You're more valuable to God. Listen to me. God didn't send an angel to die for you. God didn't send Abraham to die for you. God didn't send Moses to die for you. God didn't send Peter to die for you. He sent his only begotten son to die for you. The most valuable thing God had was his son. The most valuable thing to any parent here, to any mother here on Mother's Day, is their children. And yet you wouldn't sacrifice it for someone you didn't know. Yet the father sacrificed his son, put him on a cross. He was willing to go for on your behalf and my behalf. You're that valuable to Jesus. You're that valuable to God. You don't die for someone who has no value. Many people have saved someone out of a car accident and pushed someone out of the way because that was they do. But that was one person, and it doesn't change that person. But Jesus was, he loved us so much. We thought it was so valuable to us that the devil had what he had on us, what we had, our rejection to God, that God the Father sent his son, and the son was willing to go. He took back dominion. That's how valuable you are to God. And until you understand your value, God's not wasting time trying to form Christ in us because you're just a dirty, rotten sinner. You, we were dirty, rotten sinners saved by grace. But if you still remain a dirty, rotten sinner saved by I'm just a dirty, rotten sinner saved by grace. I'm just a, you know what? You haven't moved on to sonship yet because you were a sinner saved by the grace of God. But now you stand as the righteousness in God in Christ Jesus. If you don't see yourself righteous in Christ Jesus, you will live like a dirty, rotten sinner. You will live like the old man, Adam. But when you start seeing yourself as a son, born at a price, you start living your life as a child of God, knitted in your mother's womb. Can I say it this way? Jesus knitted us on the cross and gave us his spirit with his nature, the life of God on the inside of you, that you can fulfill everything that God wants you to do on this earth because that's how valuable you are to him. That's how valuable you are to him. Precious, more precious than silver and gold. I want to encourage you that you, till you know what God's done for you, love the Lord your God, then you can love your neighbor as yourself. Sometimes you just can't live and love your family. Forget the next door neighbor. But God wants to bring that love in you. Because what they are, what they do, what people do, what the world does, has no more effect on you. Because you're dead. But you live in the life of the Spirit. Amen? So, Father, we thank you. We worship you. We honor you. We glorify you. We lift you up high. Father, I pray for those who are struggling with their identity. Pray for those who are struggling with addictions. I pray for those who are struggling with unforgiveness. Pray for those who are struggling with just in life, that your mighty spirit, the spirit of life, touches those areas and breaks shackles. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free. He's made me free. He, has, he is, is freedom from sin and death. The life and the law of sin and death has no bounds on me anymore. The life of sin and death, the dominion of sin has no dominion over me anymore. Why? Because Adam had died, I have died, yet Christ lives in me. I thank you for the blood. Thank you for the anointing of God upon my brothers and sisters, Lord. That no weapon formed against them shall prosper. Thank you, Father, that they don't go to you for what they can get from you. They go to you for you. The anointed one. Those who seek me shall find. Those who knock, I will answer. So, Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters tonight. I ask you to bless them with a holy blessing. I ask you to bless them with the Father's blessing. Let the Father's heart fall upon them. Let us go from religion to relationship. Let us go from bondage to freedom. Let us go from, from slaves to sons. Daughters. Knitted in his womb. I thank you, Father, for your wonderful grace tonight. I love you, Jesus. Lord, let my brothers and sisters read that word and let it be illuminated in their spirit. Let the veil be removed. 
Let them know that you do want to speak to them. Because you do want to speak to us. See, at the end of the day, Father, you reveal Jesus to us. The Father wants to be known by you. To know God and to enjoy God. To know God and to enjoy God. Wow, what a concept. To know God and to enjoy God. So thank you, Father, for your wonderful mercy and grace. I pray safety upon everyone, Lord. I ask a blessing upon blessing. I thank you for where the work you've started, you will complete. And I thank you for where you're taking us. We are children of light. And you're building us for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, bless you guys. Happy Mother's Day again. We love you guys. We'll see you Wednesday. Don't miss Wednesday. Uh, guys, quickly, if you still want to give towards Bangladesh, I think they're going to send the money next Friday now. So if you still want to give towards that, um, no pressure. Credit cards, please. No, no pressure. Um, we'll see you on Wednesday, but be blessed. Amen. Hallelujah. Sorry.